Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the On Texas Football Sunday Night Live stream. I'm Blake Monroe, your host, and I'm joined by Bobby Burton and Justin Wells, both of Inside Texas and On3. And uh, guys, it was a busy week. We saw a commitment from Melvin Hills. Uh, both of you attended Big 12 Media Days. Bobby, you had quite a bit to say about that earlier in the week. Um, and there's a lot more coming up this week. Got a couple of commitments um, that may happen for Texas. And so, Justin, I'm going to go ahead and just give it over to you real quick and let you run down who's committing this week and maybe what Texas' chances are. Good, good. Good to see you guys. Um, on the Thursday, the 20th, you've got DeAndre Robinson. Out of, that's the six foot three and a half, about 310, 315-pound defensive tackle out of Orlando Jones. Um, he's hit the campus twice uh, so far in 2023. Tremendous job by Bo Davis and those guys to really get into that recruitment early, uh, to really kind of su supplant themselves with a flag and say, "Look, we're, we're going to be a we're going to be a factor here," because he had a lot. He still has a lot of in-state pool, namely Florida. The Gators are not giving up on this kid. They are still pushing all the buttons. And so uh, that one's going to be a, a, an interesting one when it comes down to it. And then on Saturday, you've got Corey and Gibson, one of the top DBs in the country. He can play corner. He can play safety. He can play nickel. The truth is he's only going to play at one school. It's going to be Texas or it's going to be Ohio State or it's going to be Clemson. And so that one's going to be wrapped up as well. And, and, and that kind of goes along with our reporting. He, he, he kind of knew where he wanted to go probably in May but he still wanted to take a few visits just to make sure he took those visits just to make sure. And now he's, he's got a date stamped and ready for his announcement. Um, those are just the ones we know about Blake in, in the ever crazy world of recruiting. You, 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 we're always watching other recruitments. We're always monitoring those things, but at the same time, we've got two with dates now. And I think those are two guys that Texas fans should be paying attention to. Definitely. So, well, let's go back to Big 12 Media Days just for a second, guys, before we get to these questions. You know, like I said, Bobby, you had quite a bit to say uh, the other day. But what were some of the other takeaways that y'all had, you know, from just anybody in general that you think folks should be aware of, you know, going into this season? Justin, what do you think of uh, Joey McGuire, for example, and Chris Kleiman over at Kansas State, those two? Um, probably uh, – completely different sides of the spectrum. Uh, Chris Kleiman's a very easygoing. He's kind of that lunch pail type guy. Uh, you know, we've met him a handful of times now at, at the media days and he was the reigning big 12 champ. You know, you, you got to tip your cap to that guy and what he built uh, in Manhattan, Kansas. I think replacing that production with Deuce Vaughn is going to be a lot harder than he made it sound. But uh, Kleiman's more of your lunch pail type guy, hard worker, you know, you know, comes to work early, leaves late type deal. Joey McGuire is more of your showman. He 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 loves to talk, and 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 I, and I think he's got that glean in his eye that a lot of people connect with. I call him the DFW version of Jeff Trailer. Uh, they just they have the gift of gab. They they understand what it takes at the high school level, and 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 they feel like that can translate at the college level. We saw that with Jeff Trailer at UTSA and, and the success he's had in San Antonio. Now. Joey's trying to do it in, in Lubbock at Texas Tech, but Joey's never met a question he didn't like. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I know Texas fans got rubbed the wrong way a little bit last year after the law, after UT's loss in Lubbock and what he said, but you can't get upset at that. That that's who he is. It's it's, there's nothing deliberate. There's nothing intentional. Joey is just a very charismatic, happy person. He's been that way since I met him when he was coaching in high school. And at the end of the day, uh, those are two very, very different people 
Uh, one's already got some, some some hardware in his office. He's looking to build some more. The other hasn't done anything yet. And it, it almost seems to be like they have done something, but that's just because of his positive energy. They've accomplished zero. But if you talk to Joey, they're, they're ready to contend for the title. Yeah, I, I got that sense uh, as well. I thought, I, I, what about Gus Malzahn? Excuse me, Gus Malzahn, uh, the uh, uh, coordinator, or excuse me, uh, coach at uh, Central Florida. Uh, your first time seeing him uh, because it's first time in the Big 12. What you think of him? You know, he he was exactly what I thought he would be. You know, he, he's kind of that SEC salesman. He still got some of that in him, Bobby. Yeah, I love how we referred to Florida as the speed state. Uh, I wouldn't have done that in a room, you know, in, in, in the middle of Texas, but hey, that's Gus. Um, and, and then, you know, he talked up his program, which people need to understand. Central Florida has a really good thing going there in Orlando. They, they, they've done a great job from, from social media to, to, to the building and development. He talked a little bit about, about some of his players that are actually on other teams he's going to be facing. And then he talked about have, you know, having the toughest schedule in, 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 in the conference and then talked about how it's, you know, playing in the Big 12. He thinks that's the best conference top to bottom. And so what I got from Gus was I think what you would get a lot of times from SEC coaches, just a lot of rhetoric, a lot of howdy do, and a lot of we're going to be better this year type stuff. You get kind of a Hugh Freeze feel without laying in a hospital bed. <laughs> here's the here's the reality, right? Central Florida is the largest school in the state of Florida, by the That's way. That's crazy. Um, so just so everybody understands that. One more thing on DeAndre Robinson. I wanted to mention this. Uh, while DeAndre Robinson announces on Thursday, also uh, Texas lost a guy, Jaden Jackson, to Oklahoma on this past Thursday. I think the, the two situations are a little bit different in that uh, Texas is prioritizing uh, clearly DeAndre Robinson, whereas they wanted Jaden Jackson, but they weren't necessarily willing to go uh, to all links for that recruitment, whereas DeAndre Robinson is a little bit differently situated. So uh, Longhorn's looking good in, for Robinson, but to Justin's point, Texas still fighting off Florida uh, right now very much. And could Florida could be a team that they go after for that goes after them for quite a while. Hey, before we get to the questions, I do have to say and want to say thank you to our sponsor. Our sponsor is the Cross Oak Group. Uh, on Texas Football, the live stream is brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. All right, guys. Well, the questions are rolling in, and there's still plenty of time, so be sure to get your question in for uh, Bobby or Justin, and we'll get it asked for you. This first one comes from E. Kim, and he says, any positive recruiting impacts for Texas with NCAA penalties for Tennessee? Also, over and under, over or under one and a half five-star players committed to Texas before the Rice game. I'll take that one, Bobby. Uh, two positive, any positive recruiting impacts? I don't know if there's going to be anything of a recruiting impact because this was basically laid down to Jeremy Pruitt, the former head coach. He's no longer there. He's gone. I think he's at Alabama now. <laughs> when you when you get fired, go, go, go call Nick. Um, and so he's hanging out there with a, with a, with a bag full of McDonald's. Um, 
I, I don't think it's going to affect anything because the two guys Texas really likes that Tennessee is doing really well with, Danny Okoye, the edge out of a NOAA a homeschool out of Tulsa, and then Ryan Wingo, guy I just w- recently went to see last week out of St. Louis. Uh, they're doing really well there, and, and it's going to be because of Josh Heupel. It's going to be because they, they're building something pretty they're, – they're recruiting at real, a really high clip right now, and I think they're building good relationships. And so I don't think the penalties are going to have any effect on Tennessee for, for Texas transfers – or Texas players or prospects, targets of that sort, just because it's a different regime. It, it, it just – all it is is basically Tennessee is going to cut a big check so they don't get a bowl win. That's what yeah, no, no bowl band is the only thing. That's not going to yeah. – that, that's the only thing. And then over under on the five stars committed to Texas for the rice game, man. I mean, there are two in my mind right now that I feel like could happen at any time, any moment. Um, and so that's an excellent question for E. Kim. I'm going to take the under. I think one of them might drop. I don't know if both will, but I know that Texas is in a great spot with both of them. So I'm going to take the under on that. Bobby, you got any, any insight? I, I would take the, I, I think I'm going to take the over. Let, let's be clear. Who, who are they? Cause I've got these guys as five stars right now, Justin. And that, that's part of the, Colin Simmons, Colin, Brandon Baker. Correct. Yeah. Um, Wardell Mack and uh, Kobe, Kobe Black. I think he's, I don't know that he's a five-star anymore. Did he get to change last yeah, week? Yeah, I think he got he, he got bumped down. Matt, our, our producer, can you check on that for me, please? I thought he was still an industry ranking five star. Okay, he, he may not. be Justin, but that one, and then also um, Dominic McKinley. Yeah, I'm going under still because most of those aren't aren't supposed to be announced in the next six weeks. Most okay. of those aren't supposed to be. What, what are we? Forty eight? Yeah, we're Jake Ellinger days from 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 Texas football, and so I don't think that's. Those guys, those, those are all legit five stars, Bobby. And I know Texas, if we were going to play that out, say, you know, into the season, I'd take the over with you just like that. But for Rice, I just think most of those guys are going to wait a little bit longer. Uh, but, but, and, and I put Kobe Black in that category too. Uh, if add War, Wardell Mack to it, I, I think it's two. Okay. I, I think the number is two. <laughs> Well, I know Texas fans are going to be hoping that Bobby is right <laughs> on this one for sure. All right, guys, moving on to the next one. It comes from Michael Gresser, and he says, I don't know if you guys saw, but Josh Pate said on his show that Quinn Ewers mentioned about the quarterbacks becoming addicted to hitting biceps, triceps, and abs is a red flag. Any thoughts on that? No, because I was there, unlike Josh. Love Josh. <laughs> uh, had, you know, known him uh, for quite a while. Uh, but I was actually there when Quinn said that and explained it. Uh, it's actually the extra work that they were putting in afterwards. It wasn't the actual workouts themselves uh, that the coaches were were mandating. They were hanging around afterwards. And so what ended up happening actually is a very good, positive thing. Exactly. Other guys stayed longer in the weight room too. So it wasn't, they weren't doing anything before or during. They were doing it after their regular workout, and it was keeping them in the gym longer. And and I don't know if people realize how Texas does this, but they rotate guys out. So not the whole team is not in the weight room together, right? right? And so they rotate guys out. And by keeping those guys in there longer, they got to see more of their teammates. And more of their teammates would rotate and stay longer in the weight room too. So making this sound like it's, a bad thing. It's it's it lacks context. Uh, very very specific context that Josh probably just didn't know. 
I agree with Bobby. And, and, and I, I almost want to say, Josh, I almost want to hear it because Josh is a clever, smart guy. He, he's not going to, he's not going to, I don't, I don't think paraphrasing, obviously, I don't think he's going to put it like that, or maybe it wasn't meant that way. All I know is Quinn Ewers needed to be in better shape before the, the, the Alamo bowl against Washington from that point to now, that's exactly what he's done. That's the only thing that matters. Yeah. The only thing I would say about Quinn Ewers build, Justin and, and Blake is that it's, it's a slight build. It's kind of like a Tom Brady build. Does that, does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, he was a big boned kid. He's actually had to lose weight. This is a kid that was thick, thicker in high school. You know, he, he yeah. went with the weights and got bigger. He also lost some weight in his face because he always kind of had a circle type face. A lot of guys do. That's where I've seen him look streamlined because he just he, he's, he's, he's had to really he had to go on a strategic diet, Bobby, to get that body fat where he wanted it. Got it. All right, guys, moving on. Get ready to put your thinking caps on because this is a loaded question. Brandon Longhorn says, I was just curious who your favorite top three baseball players, football players, and basketball players from UTR. Doesn't necessarily have to be the best, just your favorite. I'll go football real quick, and I'll say say Earl Campbell for me. That was my youth childhood idol, uh, essentially, when I was growing up. Vince Young, uh, and then probably the third – it's tough. Um, probably either Casey Hampton or Ricky Williams. I'm going with Earl Campbell. Obviously, the Tyler Rose. I live here in Tyler. Uh, <laughs> I have to live here. Uh, Vince Young and Sam Ellinger with Michael Huff as honorable mention. There you go. I'll go I'll you. Go what about you, Blake? Blake, yeah, Blake. you're three, Blake. Yeah. I'm going to say Vince. I think that's going to be any Texas fan, you know, in the top three. Um, Colt, yeah, and oh, probably Brian Arakpo. There you go. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hey, basketball, basketball. I'd go with Durant, uh, TJ Ford, and then a personal favorite from when I was in school, Travis Mays. Travis Mays. Okay, run being. I like that. I like that. I'll go uh, TJ Ford, uh, Kevin Durant. Those two are those kind of those kind of uh, just roll yeah they're on the they're on the Mount Rushmore for sure yeah you, you can't really do this without those two especially yeah. TJ TJ's the one that started it uh, those two but that third one I want to I was thinking how you know there's so many guys that were like that were guys that were just like they were perfect in their roles like a Sid Mill Harris and a Royal Ivy and a and, and a, and a Kenton, Kenton Paulino um, there's so many guys like that. But I think I'm going to go with my man, rest in peace, Lance Blanks. Uh, I, I think that would be my last one because people don't realize how good he was and how long he actually played in the NBA. I like, obviously, I'm going to go forward, Durant, just like y'all. But, oh, man, the third one, I think I would go DJ. Uh, Augustine. Yeah, probably would be my third on that one. One of the best closing point guards I've ever seen. Yeah, definitely. Baseball for me would be uh, it's a little different. Uh, <laughs> there's a guy named Spike Owen that I guess I don't know if you two know. I, I don't know how old y'all are. I forgot. Boston Red Sox. <laughs> Spike Owen. Come on, dude. Okay. Who are you talking to? Okay. Me and my college roommates went to uh, went on spring break. Went to 
went to uh, uh, went to uh, spring ball one time, spring baseball down in Florida. Spike Owen, we we uh, flashed the hook him to him, and he came over and gave us each a ball. So That's Spike awesome. Owen is definitely one of those. Roger Clemens, obviously. Uh, after that, probably Brooks Kieschnick. But again, that's that's my era uh, baseball. For me, uh, it starts with with Roger Clemens. Uh, obviously, he's the Rocket Man, one of the greatest right-handed pitchers in the history of the sport. Got to give him some love. Um, there's so many guys in baseball that it's almost ridiculous. But the truth <laughs> is, I mean, I, I Houston Streets my second. And I just, yeah, just remember him in those mid 2000s. And, and when he came onto the mound, man, you just felt really, really good. And, you know, I, I like the old school guys. I like the Bert Hooten and the Spike Owen and the Brooks Kieschnick and the uh, Omar Quintana and the Kurt Dressendorfer. I, I know about all those guys, but I'm going to tell you something. I fell in love with El Ray over the last two years. That's a Hispanic Titanic. His name is Ivan Melendez. And he had his 20th minor league home run in two and a half months yesterday he's already been moved up twice from the in the arizona diamondbacks uh organization and i'm telling you in about two years he is going to be a full-time dh first baseman in the major leagues good for him so i i like houston street gotta have that pick in there hispanic titanic i'm with you on that one and then my third a lot of people are gonna have to get their programs out and, and they're probably gonna go who uh but ben johnson yeah. And he, I believe he went to Westlake, also had lots of football scholarships, but got to know him during his recruitment. And he just ended up always being one of my favorite players. So that would be my three in baseball. I like it. There you go. So, all right. Good question. All right. We're going to move on to the next one, guys. And it's from Space City Wrangler. And it says over under on the number of verbal commitments from now until the end of July. I'm setting it at three. I go, I'm saying over. Push or over, Bobby? <laughs> I would say push more likely. Okay. okay. Uh, if you set it at 2.5, I'd say over. <laughs> I got to find this half of a recruit. <laughs> Just for the record. So that's, that's where I come out on that. I, I agree with push. There you go. Push, push feels better. Yeah. <laughs> no one loses that way, right? There you go. All right, hey, next we, hey, guys, we should mention real quick, Jerry's going to join us at about 30 minutes past the hour. Uh, people uh, that want to know that, uh, 45 minutes past the hour and then carry on. Uh, I've got to go uh, here at around 45 minutes past. So uh, carry on now, Matt, our producer, you're, you're uh, managing this. So go forward or Blake. <laughs> All right. So we got a super chat, guys. It's from Texas Boy. And he says, after speaking to the players, are you more excited or still waiting for summer workouts to reveal more about the team? I I don't know about more excited because I get I stay excited about Texas football. Um, uh, I will say this. Uh, the 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 interesting thing about this is Texas brought a bunch of skilled athletes. The only non-skilled what I would call skill player was Jalen Ford, right? Because they brought Xavier Wordy, Jordan Whittington, uh, Quinn Ewers, and then Jade Barron. The only lineman, even though he's a linebacker per se, was Jalen Ford. And I will say this, Jalen Ford, the two people that got me pumped up were Jalen Ford and Xavier Worthy. Um, Jalen Ford, you talk about contract years and taking life seriously. He's taking it seriously. I found Xavier Worthy to be exceedingly refreshing and much more mature than when I talked to him 
when he was just a freshman. I mean, he's grown. Now, is that going to lead to a different Xavier Worthy on the field? We're going to see. Um, but coaches have always said he's been a good worker on the field. If he's becoming an even more exact worker on the field long term, I think he's in, I think they're going to be in good shape. Uh, those two stuck out to me a little bit in that way. Justin, anything to add? No, because the only thing I – I mean, I, I watched and read everything. I, I actually didn't get to Big 12 Media Days till the second day. But from what I saw, from what I – you know, the video clips, I actually watched a lot of, of what Bobby does on OTF. Um, I, I, like he said, I'm, I'm excited because it's Texas football and because we're, we're less than 50 days. And so the, the, that's a natural progression for me is to be excited. And I don't think summer workouts – this is one of the few times where I would say summer workouts to me aren't going to reveal anything more or less. This group was really embedded, I feel like, at the end of December and early January when, when, when the, the rest of that signing class obviously gets on with the, the, the new early enrollees got in and really brought, um, really stamped themselves as being, look, we're, we're here to play, we're here to win. Uh, and that's why there are so many guys from that class. And so I, I would be, to me, it's the same. I, I don't think summer workouts are going to reveal much more, especially when Jordan Whittington's talking about guys love each other. They they literally hang out with each other. It's not by positions anymore. It's not by clicks. It's literally player to player. And to me, whenever you play with somebody that you really like, you, re, you enjoy, you respect, that's when you win close games. That's when you go from eight wins to 10 wins to 11 wins. And so uh, the players know it. And I think just by their tone, Sark knows it by his tone. Uh, there, there's a lot to be excited for. All right. Well, thank you, Texas boy, for the super chat. And we're going to move on here. Royal Blue Cougs ask, I don't see teams utilize a third and short specialist back like Cody Johnson or freshman Henry Melton anymore. Why not? Those guys were awesome in the 2000s. Because they're playing defensive line now. <laughs> <laughs> Where they should have been from the start. Henry Melton played D-line in the – NFL, <laughs> but I do remember him trying to dive against uh, Ohio State in Columbus, where if he just puts his shoulder down, like Henry Melton looks like a giant Shrek, and if he would just <laughs> put his shoulder down, he would have just gone through people. But for whatever reason, he was a freshman. He thought he needed to dive. Why don't you see those third down specialists anymore? Let's let people know. Kansas State still has those guys. Kansas State still uses the fullback. But from a from an overall standpoint, a lot of those big big backs that we used to see, they're playing the defensive line now. Yeah, I, look, I feel like I'm similar to Justin. Uh, you don't see a bunch of those guys. Um, I will say that you know we were talking about it. Who is Texas's short yardage back? Man, I'm not so sure it's not either. Baxter. So I was talking to Brian Irwin, coach. Uh, Brian Irwin that, that uh, does the lunch with the coach with us this off season. He made him, uh, I don't know if you guys remember it or not, but Cedric Baxter scored a touchdown uh, on a one yard run in uh, the uh, spring game. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's all you want those guys to do. Get low, find a crease, hit it and go for it. And he liked that as much as anything he saw from Cedric Baxter and thought he might actually be, the, the short yardage back for Texas as a true freshman, if he can hold on to the ball, you right. know, didn't see enough of ball security to really uh, tell there. Then the other, the other factor is Savion red. A lot of people thought he was one of the better ones uh, in short yardage behind the scenes. Uh, obviously we haven't seen Jonathan Brooks enough in that role. 
uh, yet either. So uh, keep that in mind. I don't think it'll be Keelan Robinson, though. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Not based on what we saw against uh, Washington. All right. We got a, another super chat here from Brandon Ralston. And he says, really hoping we beat the Hogs in 24 because I'm a Longhorn fan in Arkansas. I really don't want to hear that horrible woo pig. <laughs> I, just, I recently I recently drove through Arkansas. <laughs> and um, you know what? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Brandon. Um, it's a unique place. It's a unique place. You can drive for two hours before you see a gas station. I know that. Um, it's a unique place, but I'll, I'll give them this. That is a hostile environment when Texas shows up. There, I don't know if there's a team in the world, maybe LSU, that brings out the anger, the angst, <laughs> all of this buildup like the Longhorns do with, with, with Arkansas. And that's why that game in Fayetteville is always going to be a, a hard game to play. And, and, the, and the Longhorns have been in there a few times. We saw Vince Young go there, go there, and I believe 2003, 2004, 2004, and win. And then we also saw, you know, um, Colt McCoy host them uh, a few years later. And, and Aaron Williams' pick six was one of the you know bright spot, uh, bright spots of that game. And then we saw Hudson Card start there a couple of years ago. And so, it, yeah, I'm with you, Brandon. You do your best. I don't think I would put anything burnt orange around in public because that's a you know, that, that's a different group in Arkansas. There, there's like there's there's thousands of people in one toothbrush. So you you really got to face it out. <laughs> hey, hey, let's be clear. It, it, there's no such that's not a pardonable offense in, in Arkansas. That's for sure. Wearing burnt orange. Uh, guys, if you've never had it before, when when Texas does go uh, to Arkansas uh, in 2024, uh, make sure the special, by the way, uh, locally on on game weeks is red beer. Y'all have any clue what red beer is? I do I think, not. I think it's Pabst Blue Ribbon and tomato juice. Ugh. Not lying. Not That's lying. Been there. Done that. Is that called the John Daly Classic? Yeah, it should be. <laughs> it should be. I was there the, uh, in in early two thousands when they came, and I got to tell you, I've been to a lot of hostile environments, and I I don't know if I can remember. Worst fans and, and not knocking them just just absolutely very very comparable fandom to Ohio State in my opinion very very I know that that that's going to they're weird. they're they're not as obnoxious as Ohio State that, that's probably true and but I, my, it, right my point is they're not as uh full of themselves as Ohio State Ohio that's, State thinks yes. they've never lost a game that's exactly yes yes, yeah. yes, yes. but uh. The the still they're kind of in your face a little bit. I, little I think bit. there's a little bit of that. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're going to move on to the next set of questions here, and uh, this one comes from Russell Hinkle. Assuming the rest of this recruiting class goes as expected, and the guys we think will leave do leave, what are our biggest needs going into the 2025 recruiting season? Um. Man, that's a good question. Linebacker, linebacker, linebacker. Uh, I don't know how many they're going to take this cycle, but I guarantee you they're going to take more in 2025. That's a position that's going to have to be uh, evaluated. In-state defensive linemen, I think, are another one that's going to have to be looked at a little bit closer uh, because of the, the 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 talent is a little lower this year in 2024. Um, safety, 
I think they're going to have to because they're going to lose a couple guys over the next year and a half. So safety is another one. Really, I know I'm looking at defense quite a bit, but on the offensive side, besides tight end, there's depth at every spot and every level. So I'm not sure I can find a big need in 2025, you know, considering everything plays out the way it does. But on defense, I think 2025, there's there's a few spots they're going to have to really focus. Depends how many leave. Uh, at some level, wide receivers actually kind of thin right now, Justin. Um, after in, at, in December, if you lose four, if you lose four in 23, okay, only take three. You have three from last year. You got to remember, you move Savion, your two receivers from uh, two years ago are gone. Savion yeah. Red's now at running back. Brennan Thompson is transferred. Yeah. So I actually think they're, they're light there. Tight end, you mentioned. I would go, I would go defensive line again. Uh, and I don't think that they're going to have enough until they have uh, what everybody else has. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. All right. So this next question comes from, and I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Shavam Patel. And he says, hey, guys, what are you most looking forward to for this season? I, I think I want to see the offense uh, with the, the total toolkit, right? So uh, not just you know, one wide receiver in Jordan Whittington. I want to see not only Isaiah Nayor, I want to see A.D. Mitchell. I want to see how he moves, how Sark calls this game with an improved offensive line. He's got more tools in the tool belt. I mean, that's just a, the reality of it. And so that's probably what I'm most looking forward to. Um, I'm also, my, my other thing is, like, I think the defense still has another click better they can get. Um I want them to, as long as they don't have any really bad injuries on defense, they should be better this year. I'll go on both sides, kind of like you did, Bobby. On defense, I'm looking forward to the secondary. I think there's some super talented guys back there, from Terrence Brooks to Ryan Watch, Jaron Thompson, Jalen Catalan, Derek Williams, uh, Keaton Crawford. There's talent back there, and I think this could be a good season to put all that together. I think you've got a great mixture of young guys and Manny Muhammad and Terrence Brooks, and you got a you know, and you got some older guys, some veterans. So I love that mixture. So I think the secondary could be really special, especially in a, in a league like the Big 12 that does like to throw the ball. On offense, I'm just going to piggyback what, what if you said. I want to see what it looks like with the full uh, the full tool belt. Um, I really want to see the Quinn Ewers I saw for years. I want to see the Quinn Ewers that I saw as a freshman and as a sophomore and as a junior in high school where Todd Dodge basically said he has an arm that can touch every blade of grass on the field. I've went and seen this kid throw the ball so many times I know it's there. That's what I'm most looking forward to. This kid has put it all together. Last year was such a good learning opportunity for him. It was a great way to kind of to, to get your mulligan out of the way, set the floor for what you're going to do in the next season. And the fact that he's taken on more of a leadership role, according to the players, that to me even makes it even more anticipation. I think Quinn Ewers is special. I think he's the next first-round draft pick on offense from the University of Texas. And I think uh, I, I, I'm telling you, if he's in the if he's in the right mind, if he's in the right place, that ball is going to be chucked all over the field. All right, I had a question here, and now I lost it. So I'm going to jump over to the super chat real quick, and then we'll come back to it. Uh, another one from Brandon Ralston. He says, went to the hog game in 2021, and it was rough to say the least. They would rush for three yards, and everyone acted like it was the national championship. 
That sounds very Arkansas-ish. I've got to be honest with you, Brandon. They rush for more than three yards sometimes, <laughs> especially in the third and fourth quarter. Hey, but when they dropped eight on defense in the second half, nobody seemed to figure it out. Yeah. No, it was both sides. Both sides was a catastrophe. They didn't have an answer. Hey, Blake, I need to, I need to actually uh, say thank you to our sponsor, if you don't Go mind, uh, real quick. And that's the Crossroad Group. Uh, the Crossroad Group sponsors – on Texas football and Long, Longhorn live stream on Sunday nights. Uh, Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines to learn more Go to www.crossoakgroup.com. We appreciate them and their sponsorship. If you need something done in the state house, give them a shout. All right. So this next one, guys, comes from Tony Slots, and he says, Bobby and Justin, how concerned are y'all with one-score games this year? It seems we always end up on the wrong end of close games. Y'all thoughts? I, I think that I would have agreed with you in 2021. I didn't I don't agree with you in 2022. I mean, yeah. Uh, uh, K-State, Iowa State wins. Um, I, I don't know. I felt I would have agreed with you completely in 2021, uh, but I think they I think the worm turned a little bit in 2022. I think the new clock rules, this might be something where we see that more. With the new clock rules, because now you're going to see with the you know with the stoppage and everything and everything, I think you're going to see with run, running the ball in the fourth quarter is going to be more important now than it was before. And so, one score games are going to really going to come down to can, can you put that nail in the coffin? And that's a mental thing. That's a total mental thing. This is such an experienced group. I don't think one score games will be too much of an issue this year. Got it. All right, Justin, this next one is for you, and it comes from Paige Grisby. And he says, Justin, were you shocked how AM pulled out with Miles? Unfortunately, I wasn't. I actually wrote that he was going to go to AM. Um, when I got to know Miles uh, in, in the spring, AM was the first team that really recruited him. They were the first team that really went all in. Texas kind of came in a little bit late. They still built a great relationship. If he didn't go to AM, he was gonna pick Texas. He built a great, a great rapport with some of the staff. But AM just had a heads up. And, and a lot of times that area too is a lot of pro AM guys, Converse Judson especially. And so I wasn't shocked at all. I thought AM did exactly what they needed to do to, to get the four-star safety. I'm a big fan of Miles Davis. I think he's I think he's tremendous. I don't think he can play the saxophone, but I know he can bring hat on Saturday evenings. And so I wasn't surprised, unfortunately. But uh, that's just the way the worm turns sometimes. AM had the head start and they wind up pulling it out. Okay, guys, our next one's from Mason Young. And he says, Does Texas roll out a watered down game plan against Rice to not show their hand or any potential new sets leading into week two against Bama? That's a good what, question. What do y'all think? Yes. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I, I they will show they throw, nothing to Bama against Rice. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they throw vertically as much unless there's a couple things they want to put on tape. Um, Texas should be able to, and this is a this is important, right? Because there's been years where Texas couldn't just line up and run over people. Not that that's what they're going to be able to do to, against Rice, but 
Um, Texas has enough experience on defense to not have to let it all out there on offense against Rice. At the same time, again, the, the big piece early in the season for Texas is to execute well on offense. If they execute well on offense early, they're going to get off to some leads and, and be able to make some teams one-dimensional. Yeah. That is extremely important, in my opinion. Um, nothing could be more important than actually doing that against a team like Alabama, where, frankly, if they have to throw the ball, that could be – that's potentially Alabama's weakness. You know, they're going to have some plays and, and be able to win some, some battles, uh, but if Texas could make them throwers, that would be that would be a big win, in my opinion. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, we got a super chat that just came in from Alry, and he says, beer donation for the group. Wow, thank you. Uh, Inside Texas and and On3 produces the best Longhorns content out there. Thanks, y'all, and hook them. Thank you. Uh, and I say that for the group here. We all talk about it all the time, and we appreciate you guys. You don't, have, you guys don't have to do that. We would do that without this stuff, uh, but we really do honestly appreciate it. It helps everything uh, go go smoother and get us get stuff done. Uh, and we appreciate you very much. And uh, we will be buying beer with that. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Just don't tell Eric. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Bobby, this one's for you, and it comes from UT Boy. He says, are you ready for the Jonte Cook show? Hook them for life. I am. I am. And I think Jonte's going to get a real shot. Um, You know, Xavier Worthy's been injured both seasons. Now, he played through injury last year, uh, but he, except for the second half of the Texas Tech game, for example, right? Got a little dinged up, and that certainly hurt the offense. Um, I think that's a that could be a a real spot for, for Jonte. Um, and look, Texas needs somebody on that outside that can catch a deep ball. Jonte can do that. Okay. Um, and so I'm interested to see where it goes. I definitely, you know, how much, of, how much of the show is going to, going to be shown this year. Let's see. I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right. We got another super chat guys. This one from Michael Mosley. And he says with Burke's length, is he decent at batting balls down the line or affecting passing lanes or any defensive line slash edge showing a knack for it? No question. Yeah. I mean, Justin, you let me take this. So I, I heard about this. I want to say, speak specifically to this. It's one of the reasons why he's, he ended up the starter over justice Finkley. He was getting his hands up and in passing lanes and affecting the quarterback more 
than Justice Finkley in uh, spring practice. And so I guess my answer is he's better at it than the guy that was had the, had the uh, lead on the position early. Now, the question I have is, does that mean he's actually going to be any good when he plays true opponents? Or was, was this a self-scouting situation where it's a zero-sum game? Justin, you, you go ahead. No, all I was going to say, follow up was, you know, length is one of the biggest attributes for that position. And Ethan Burke has it. And Colton Voschick has it. And the guys that they're recruiting have it. And so I think Ethan will be the one that kind of shows guys, look, this is what we want to do. This is the this is the norm for us. Because he has that, whereas he has more of that length compared to the, to the rest of the team. All right. Well, thank you, Michael. We appreciate the super chat. And this question comes all the way from Seattle, Washington, and they, and it's from Kelly Hill, and he says, total number of sacks for the defense this year. I think they were at, was it 21 or 23 last year, Justin. You remember? Uh, they were low 20s. Matt, can you look that up for us, Matt, our producer? Low 20s. That up? I think they're going to be mid to high 20s this year. Let's remember, Bobby, last year Texas was one of the best teams in, in the country at getting to the – at putting pressure on the quarterback not necessarily getting to them. If they can find that little half step, half second, I think that the, the, the sacks could 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 really, really come in. And, and in this day and age where quarterbacks are so important in, to affect the timing and, and mechanism of offenses, getting to the quarterback is such a premium. Um, man, that's a good one. I, I'll say this. They're going to have more this year than they did last year. Yeah, I, that's what I would say. That's why I said mid to high 20s. Um, yeah. I think Baron Sorrell – uh, Justin will be better uh, for sure. Uh, I think that Ethan Burke will definitely have more sacks than Ovia Gufu. Uh, and I actually think Jalen Ford and whoever the other linebacker is, hey. potentially Anthony Hill. Anthony Hill's going to get some sacks. That, that's you what can I'm write, can write that down. They're, they're starting to get some guys that are both older and that are more sack ready. I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, so I, I, I could definitely see that. All right. We are going to go back to a super chat. This one from Justin Yarbrough. I want to thank him. And he says, who's y'all's favorite recruit you've ever covered? And what's it like from y'all's point of view, building relationships with recruits and sources? Great job as always, guys. Justin, you stay, you stay on this. I got, I've got mine. Okay. Um, okay. The, Justin, outstanding question. Even better name. Um, you know, I wish I'd have had some prompt for that one because man, I, you know, what this question is essentially what I do <laughs> for a living a lot of times. And, uh, that's one of the best parts of this job is getting to know these guys, getting to see them grow. You know, they're all wide eyed and happy as freshmen and sophomores. And then they, every kid wants to be recruited until they're recruited. And then it becomes anxiety when they're juniors and seniors. But then you prolong that and they get to the, the pro, they come into Texas, come into the league, and you just feel like you, you were part of it. Just to get to watch the growth. It's it's one of the coolest things about this job. My favorite recruit, man. And now I know a hundred people are gonna get try to guess what it is, and it's not gonna be that guy. I know who they're thinking. Uh, Chris Boyd was very very close. We still are. He's like family, but. That's probably – I'm not going to go with Chris Boyd, the, the four-star corner out of Gilmer, plays for the Arizona Cardinals now. My favorite recruit. Bobby, if you have yours, go ahead and spit it and, and come back to me because I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to make this question last. Yeah, mine's Vince Young. Um, this was back when I was covering uh, recruiting on a day-to-day -day basis. 
uh, and was in charge of Rivals rankings, Rivals.com rankings. And um, I'll never forget going to the very first time I saw Vince, I went to Madison High School and I was out there to see they had like a senior. And Vince, I think, was a freshman going to be a sophomore. So is that spring football? And uh, I went to go ask Coach Seals, was longtime coach down there, um, and asked him, and he goes, don't worry. Look at this dude. <laughs> he is pointed over at Vince. And I'm like, who is that? Going to be a sophomore. <laughs> that, that's that. And then I started talking to Vince from then on. I uh, didn't, you know, it wasn't that I, I made like this great relationship uh, with him or anything like that. But I did do a couple of things. I made him the number one player in the country um, where uh, some other people didn't have him rated that way. Uh, some colleges were even uh, mixed on him as a quarterback versus an athlete. Yeah. Um, there, there's a possibility if Miami would have went after Vince Young completely as a quarterback, he'd be playing for Miami right now. Or he would have yeah. gone to the University of Miami. Miami thought he might be a wide receiver, not a quarterback, and they wishy-washied on him. Uh, and Tim Brewster and Mac Brown and Greg Davis stayed on him as a quarterback and won the day. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that that's by far my favorite because I feel like I was justified. And thankfully, Vince justified me with his uh, performance, not only in both Rose Bowls, but uh, over his entire career. I, I got it now, Blake. I think I think I think I've got it. Um, I, and I, it's, it's a co. I'm sorry. I, I couldn't I can't be more. I, I, I had to read the Dallas Morning News to, to, to know what was going on with Vince Young. I wasn't like Bobby with a with a front row seat to, to it. Um, my favorite my two favorite recruits are Malik Jefferson and Brandon Jones. Uh, just because we got to know them really well, we got to know their families really well. The, the, the background and the story of how it happened is kind of fascinating. It's it's pretty cool how everything went together. But I am going to say this. It, I know it's a little early, but I feel like my favorite recruitment to this point is going to be the Arch Manning one. Just because of how much we were involved and how much time I spent in New Orleans and how much I, how many angles we covered, I feel like that's going to be a recruitment that we talk about for the next ten to twenty years because it was unlike anything I'd ever had to cover before. I'd never seen a kid, you know, just so much secured by coaches and parents, and I'd never seen it to that extent. To everything he said, did, or or wanted to do was magnified. It was just there was so much involved to it. And so getting to know Arch in that in that process, you get to know he's really just a, a regular kid, just like anybody else. But my favorites are, are Malik Jefferson and Brandon Jones. Brandon Jones to this day is the nicest guy I've ever met in my life. Anybody else that's met him will say the exact same thing. All right. Well, let's do. Oh, I just had the question in front of me here. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that, guys. This one comes from. Oni Rodriguez, and he said, who are the starters in the secondary going into the season? It's up for debate a little bit. A little bit. I mean, we, you're going to have uh, – we agree, Jade is going to be the, the, the nickel star. Uh, Ryan Watts should have one spot down. He should, but we, we, we have to wait. Terrence Brooks should have the other spot down. He should, but we got guys. You're, there's Gavin Holmes. You've got – uh, Manny Muhammad, who really looked good in spring ball. I mean, I, we're, we're hearing from, from from the program how how much he made an impact. And so those the corners are going to be some battles. I think at safety it's going to be Jaron Thompson and and, uh, and Jalen Catalan with, with Keaton Crawford coming off the bench and Michael Taffy kind of 
being more of a, a Swiss Army knife because he can play a lot of those spots back there, both safety spots especially. And so, but the starts, that's a good question. I, I think we know what the safeties in the nickel are going to look like. We know what corner could look like, but that's what fall camp's for. That's what two-a-days are for, and that's what August is for. Do not be surprised if Gavin Holmes gets a look at safety if Jalen Catalan is not healthy. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. G- Gavin's a smart, very smart guy. They already have him hosting recruits, Bobby. No, you know no, no. There no. Is they have a transfer come in two months ago, and he's already hosting recruits. He he's the fastest guy in the secondary as well. Um, now that Jameson's so, gone. What's that? I said, now that Jameson's gone. Yeah. It, well, I think he was faster than Jameson, anyways. What I, yeah. <laughs> Jameson ran like a four five. Uh, he got the <laughs> highest. Okay. Uh, what the 49ers threw fourth round money at this guy. <laughs> uh, he didn't get picked in the fourth round. I, look, my point is this um, I feel like the secondary right now, uh, they've got three corners that have starting capability and Ryan Watts at boundary. Terrence Brooks and Gavin Holmes at at uh, field. Okay, I don't know which one they think could play multiple positions of those two. Terrence Brooks got caught a couple times last year on double moves down the field and took the wrong guy. Um, big plays uh, result uh, in in a couple of those. Uh, so not saying at the same time I think Terrence Brooks shadows receivers better than anybody on the roster. He also graded higher than the rest of the corners the last three or four games of the season. Yeah. No, and you saw what he did against Washington. I mean, I think Brooks has the most upside of all of them. If you yeah. were to, if you were to line them up, to me, Terrence Brooks is the first round pick one day. Yeah. Um, Barron obviously is the star to, to J, uh, Justin's point. Jalen Gilbo go Jalen Gilbo, if healthy and completely back from his injury, would be the backup or Austin Jordan. And yeah. then the, the right. safeties, Jaron Thompson and Jalen Catalan, I don't see anybody beating out Jaron Thompson. The, the issue with Jalen Catalan is going to be health. I, we believe that he's back and full, full go right now. But like A.D. Mitchell, we think he could start with a green jersey. Um, and so, you know, look, I wish I could tell you, Oni, uh, to, to, to be 100% honest, I, that's one of the things we're going to be watching uh, come August 2nd, uh, first day of spring practice or fall it's- practice. It's a good position to be in if you're a Texas fan. It is in if there's not another team in the Big 12 that isn't envious of where Texas sits in the secondary right now. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, Bobby, why don't you tell everybody about Cross Oak Group one more time? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you to the Cross Oak Group. Uh, they are the sponsors of On Texas Football's Longhorn live stream. Uh, Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. Once again, a leading government affairs firm in the state of Texas. All right, yes, special thanks to Cross Oak Group. And, guys, we got a, another super chat from Nicholas Tamsma, and he says, does a mature Jet Bush win over fans with his tackling, or does he disappear behind young depth this year? I'm predicting a big year. Aloha from oh, Hawaii. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. <laughs> First of all, aloha. I wish 
I, you know, when it's hot in Hawaii, somehow it's still nice. <laughs> when it's hot here, it's not as nice. Um, I actually, I think Jet Bush, uh, you know, he is the backup to Jalen Ford. Will he have a big year? I don't know about that. Um, do I think he's poised? Do I think he's in a better position today than he was when he was playing defensive end? Absolutely. Um, look, I like Jet Bush as a backup for sure. And I, I'm not saying that he couldn't start at some other programs. Uh, I don't think he disappears, but I don't think he's a focal point either, if that makes sense. Definitely. All right. Next super chat is from UT Boy, and it's just a quick comment. He says, thanks, fellas. Inside Texas is A1. Thank, so you. thank you. Yeah. Hey, Justin, I have a couple of questions for you real quick, because uh, Jerry talks about this a lot. And by the way, I just got a text from Jerry. He's stuck in traffic and not going to be able to make it today. Um, e. Kim wants to know, Justin, do you agree with Jerry saying that Duncanville has 31 D1 prospects throughout its entire program, not just on varsity? Okay. And then why did Texas not go after Kadavian Dotson from Duncanville? I'll start with Kadavian Dotson. Um you people remember he had a great, I think it was the, the state championship, state, state championship finals last year he had a great game uh texas was on him early too i think they offered him almost two years ago at least a year and a half ago i, I think texas has been very judicious with their safety looks and evaluations in this cycle obviously miles davis joshua lair corian gibson jordan johnson rebel those guys i just uh, I, I think they found a few guys that they liked a little bit more than Kendavia dotson walker again that's a kid that's going to go play somewhere big he, and, and he can make an impact because he's, he's coming from such a great program in school under Coach Samples. Those guys do such a great job. Uh, but to, to go back to the first one, do they have 31 Division One prospects on their roster right now? Probably. Yeah. I mean, their freshman group is insane. Uh, the sophomore group is dirty. The juniors, <laughs> the juniors are the, the group. The DK Moore class, the the Javon uh, Javion Holiday, I mean, good lord, man, they're the, they produce college level guys that are ready to play at a, at a very early clip. Thirty um, one's kind of high, but I will say this: I've had coaches before where I go into their office to visit the school for the day to visit the team, and they'll have a piece of paper of of all their prospects listed, their heights, their weights. You know, just little attributes, things of that sort. I had a coach hand me one of those one time. It says, we have 47 college prospects here right now. And I looked at it, and I looked at the practice, and I, and I, and I just – I had to – no. No, you don't. You, you can't give this to people and say that. Like, you can't do that because that's not true. You might have five. And of course, I didn't say any of this. I'm thinking all of it. But – that gets blown out of proportion some. If there's one program that can say that, and I won't have very much doubt, it's Duncanville. They they are building. and I mean, they're continually – they're not just building. They're just continually winning. And I think getting over that state championship hump is only going to help that team down the line. Same with DeSoto. It did the same thing for South Oak Cliff as well. I think Duncanville is on that path. 31 is a lot, but I'm telling you, every class that comes in there has seven or eight guys that are probably going to play on Saturdays and a few that are going to play on Sundays. So 31 to me is not an exaggeration. Go ahead, Bobby, if you got some more. No, that's it. That, that's a good one. All right, guys. Let's see here. 
The next one we have uh, is another super chat, and it comes from Elijah Perez. And he says, are y'all friendly with guys at other UT Insider sites like 24-7 and OB, or is it like the Hatfields and McCoys? You want that one, Bobby, or do you want what do you want to do? I think I, I, I think I've definitely maybe hired all of them. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not all of them now. Um, a the lot, of, lot of them. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I let's be clear. There are some that I that I definitely stay in contact with, um, and am very friendly with, and will be for the rest of my life. There are some I haven't talked to for five or ten years. Um. Yeah. And that I think that's the best way to put it. Uh, but look, I think that my opinion of all of that is uh, we're not I'm not into the site wars type stuff. And I don't think Justin is either um, or anybody uh, on our side. My my big piece of it is I just want us and what we do at Inside Texas and on Texas football to be the very best product we can make it. If we do that, then we're doing our job. If somebody else is better than us, then they're going to make us better. Competition is, is a good thing for everybody, in my opinion, uh, but mostly for the consumer, uh, which is, that means a better product for Texas fans, which I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I've been about that since I've been in college. So I, I'm all for it. To tell you the truth, Elijah, if you pull the curtain back, we're still friends with most, most of the guys. Uh, some of those guys that are on those other beats that, I, that I'm with a lot, uh, I'm friends with. Some of those guys, like Bobby said, I'll be friends for the rest of my life. You know, Mike Roach was, was a guy that, that Bobby brought over to 24-7. He was recently promoted to a, to a national role. Mike's a very close friend. We've all, and, and what's funny is when we see the site war stuff, we kind of laugh. Because we, we, we really don't dig into it as much as, as that. We don't take each other as serious as you might see on a social media or on, a, on the media forum for, for, for whatever reason. But there's really good guys on the beat for the most part. And, and I think we're friendly for the most part. Great answer, guys. And a very interesting question for sure. All right. So before we move on to some other Super Chats, I saw this one. And I thought I'd ask it. Sawyer W says, could you give a summary of how injuries might affect late committing targets? How much are they risking by not committing earlier? How does it vary among schools? I thought that was a good question. It's a great question. Uh, Justin, I'm going to take it real quick. You, you follow up. Yeah. All right. Uh, absolutely will affect a high ranking player. If it's a type of injury that could be more than a year. Um, Darian Gallette, for example, uh, got injured last year, he stopped – he was still highly recruited. Don't get me wrong. Some schools kind of backed off a little bit after he tore his ACL. They're not necessarily going to go to Texas for a guy that just tore his ACL. The in-state schools and regional schools will stay on him more than likely uh, because they have more intel. Um, I will say this. In the day and age of NIL, we've yet to see how that affects it. I mean – Good point. You know, I, I, I don't know. Uh, and so that would be the one thing. There is a risk out there, Sawyer. Uh, what it is, I can't quantify it because NIL is such, it's almost too early to tell in, in that scenario. Justin? How much are they risking by not committing early? This is something I have conversations with with parents a lot. And, and it's changed. Just like you said, over the last few years with the transfer portal and NIL, high school recruiting has just changed. And a lot of times it's, you know, should we commit early or should we wait, you know, to the end? And and I always give the same advice. I say, hey, if you can get your spot, I would get your spot. 
You know, don't don't play around with the system. Don't play around with it because these college coaches, if they sniff that you have some hesitancy, they're going to knock you off the list and they're going to go the very next guy. And so there's a risk by not, by not committing early to make sure you get your spot, not just because of an injury, because Gallette didn't necessarily get hurt during the season. He ran track last year, was hurt for a month and then made his decision like a month later. And so there was there was such a that was more of uh, the timing was was kind of overlapping. But, you know, kids that these days they don't understand that you've got your elites. You've got guys like Colin Simmons and Kobe Black and Ryan Wingos who can wait till December 20th. They can wait till the early early uh, national signing period. Most recruits can't. Most can't. And so if you have a chance to get a spot. More often than not, if you can find a place you really like, you find a place you enjoy, a, a group of coaches and staff that you feel like you can be developed with, go ahead and, and, and you know, make a call. Because if you don't, there's a good chance they're going to move on to somebody else. And, and listen, the pickings are slim after National Signing Day. High school recruits getting offers after then, it, it dropped off a cliff last year. So many kids looking for spots. And so at the end of the day, how does it vary among schools? I think it's each school has their own different sensibilities. They have their own needs and wants and, and what they'll do in, with NIL on the portal and what they won't do. And so that's an excellent question, which that might actually be a good, good post for a, a story. Yep. Hey, I want to say this. I want to put this one up here so Blake doesn't do it. Uh, from Cinco de Mara Super Chat. Special shout out to Blake. Didn't be a very kind favor this week. Great guy. Keep up the great work. Hook him. Blake, you deserve it. Uh, Blake's a newcomer uh, to uh, the show and to, to Inside Texas as well as on Texas football. Uh, but uh, Blake, for me, Justin, Jerry, Eric, all of us, thank you very much for what you do uh, here in hosting. 10-4. And Seagull to Buyer, thank you as well. Yeah. For recognizing that. <laughs> all right. Well, we, we got a quite a few Super Chats guys that we got to knock out. Uh, Kabir Hussein. Uh, he says, does Texas end up with a top five class for 24? What do y'all think? It's going to be tough. Yeah, I think I think that depends on where these five stars land, Justin. Yeah, yeah it's going to be tough. Uh, that That's one. <laughs> Depending on how things get re-ranked, because, you know, re-rankings happen so much, a top five class is going to be tough. And it's not going to have anything to do with Texas success in 2023. It is not, I'm telling you, the only way that'll be affected is if they land one or two extra five stars, guys that they get, you know, towards the end of the cycle. But that's a top five class, and this one's going to be tough. I will say this, Ryan Wingo, Brandon Baker, Colin Simmons, Dominic McKinley, Wardell Mack, uh, Kobe Black. If you sign seven fives, then uh, yes. Then that's, yes. But, but here's the here's the question, right? <laughs> Is they're still all on the on the hook? Yeah. So you gotta wait. I don't I don't know exactly what the number is. Four, three, three puts you on the cusp. Four and five probably put you in it. I can tell you this: Georgia is going to have the number one class. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. going to tell you right now. <laughs> we we agree with that comment. <laughs> Uh, our next one, guys, is from Edmund Lee, and he says, with the Rice game, get the first mistakes done, then put in the second team? Question mark. More beverage money, go horns go, and hook them horns. Yeah, thank you, Edmund. Um, I don't – look, three quarters, two and a half quarters, hopefully. Rice lost their two starting wide receivers in the last week and a half. What? What happened? One of them was, I believe – 
like a, an injury related deal. I don't know the details. The other one was, I don't know if it was a portal issue or something, but the last two weeks they've lost two of their, their starting wide receivers. And so JT Daniels is going to be back at quarterback. It's his third trip to DKR, by the way. I, you know, what's funny, man. <laughs> three trips to DKR with three different, three teams. different teams. I've seen him play twice and for two different teams. I was, I covered the game in 2018 when USC came. And, and I was JT Daniels was a freshman. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And you know what? He actually looked pretty good. Bobby, I think he's going to play on Sundays. He's just been on that carousel of, of quarterbacks. If anybody has benefited from the portal more, it's JT Daniels. <laughs> he's got a good arm. The question he's is, great has arm. he ever been in a system that really fits what he does? He's got a great arm. <laughs> All right, guys. Next one comes from Football Junkie. He says, rewatch the Washington game. Who starts at Sam and Will? Rooting for Benda, but he just doesn't have the skills that Young Hill has. Blackwell is just too small. How will the staff play them? Well, Jalen Ford's the mic. Uh, yeah. So Sam and Will, I, I think they're going to start with Benda and have him and uh, Maurice Blackwell shoot it out, for lack of better side. terms. Yeah. Uh, uh, Blackwell will play some Sam as well separately uh, when they actually run three linebackers. They very rarely do that. Um, Anthony Hill, I, I don't know about you guys, but I, look, everybody talks about whether or not Arch Manning looked good in the spring game. Arch Manning had no chance because Anthony Hill was breathing down his neck every time. Um, I think Anthony Hill, and somebody asked earlier, is there a freshman that might be as good as Xavier Worthy was his freshman year? Anthony um, and I think it's Anthony Hill of this group because he's also in just like Xavier Worthy was playing a position that needed immediate help, right? As a true freshman and needed that influx of talent. So Likewise, so is Anthony Hill. You nailed it, Bobby. Blackwell is not that small either. He is ultra athletic. He plays with a mean disposition. Blackwell's a guy that when he's on the field, he make he's around the ball. He sniffs the ball. But I'm with you. I, I think I think Benda. And, and, and those guys battle on the on, on the strong side, and I think you're going to see Hill, Anthony Hill, and here's another name, Leona LaFowl. Now he's going to be backing; he'll be backing up at Mike. But that's a guy that that you know a lot of people talk about Anthony Hill. He's the five star. He's the big name. But Leona was on campus early too, and he made an impact on campus. And that's a guy that reminds me of those early 2000s USC linebacker safeties. They just play ticked off. And that's the kind of disposition you want back there. And so the linebacker room, it's going to be interesting. That's a great question, Football Junkie, because I'm curious to see how the pieces fit. That's what PK and Jeff Chode are there for. Hey, go back and rewatch the Baylor game and tell me what you think of Maurice Blackwell then. Amen. Would be the other comment I would have. Go back Maurice and watch that dude. and let us know. He's a dude. Yeah, I'm talking about Maurice. He made a couple of really nice plays. All right, guys, a few more Super Chats to get through. This one from UT Boy again. And uh, he says, Texas will beat Bama by two touchdowns. No Kool-Aid, just facts. Justin Wells, do you agree? I mean, 14 points is tough. I'll, I'll, <laughs> like Bobby. I'll take one. I'm going to act like Bobby. One. If it was 14 and a half, <laughs> you know, I, I, has, has Alabama been beaten by two touchdowns in the last 10 years? How bad did Georgia beat them? That was going to be my question. I think they beat them by two touchdowns. Did they? Did they do that? Um, oh. You're asking a lot in Bryant-Denny mm -hmm. at night. But 
I think this is the Bama team to pounce on. Just like I thought the 2020 LSU team was the Texas team was going to pounce on them and, and Baton Rouge because they lost everybody and it was lined up for them and they didn't get the game. That's the most disappointing thing if you ask Sam Ellinger that they didn't get that rematch because they thought that they went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in college football in the last 30 years and they were so ready for that next year and they didn't get it. There's a similar feeling, vibe with this year with Alabama. They Texas, the Texas players felt that they were kind of screwed, which they were. They had points taken off the board that shouldn't have been. But that's that's neither here nor there. It's a new day. Two touchdowns is tough, but I do like Texas chances uh, week two. All right. Well, that leads us to our other super chat from McBooger Balls five one two, and he says, "Does Justin Milrose's ability to, or Jalen Milrose's ability to run with the ball worry y'all?" No. Yes. It does mean <laughs> two different answers right at the same time. I'm no, a big Marion Miller scares me. Him running the ball scares me. Jalen Milrow does not. Because all you're gonna do is bring your guys up. All right, Bobby, you want to elaborate on, on your point? I hate a running quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I I legitimately hate playing running quarterback. After talking about Vince Young as his best recruit. Oh uh, no, let's talk about <laughs> well, yeah, I like them when they play for the team. Yeah. <laughs> Taysom Hill. Oh God. All right. What's the What's the, the quarterback at Arkansas that ran all over Texas? Oh, Colin Matt, Klein. Matt Jones. Matt Jones. No, I'm talking about the one up in Fayetteville this past time. Um, Jefferson. KJ. Oh, just the big, big kid. Yeah, yeah. KJ Jefferson. I, I dread those guys. Max Duggan <laughs> did it to Texas. <laughs> Not a fan of quarterbacks that run the ball. again. It, here's why. They extend drives. Yep. And unless you are – Texas hasn't been a machine on offense in a long time. Matt, Mike, or uh, Tom Herman never had Texas as a machine on offense. Okay. Charlie Strong definitely never had Texas as a machine. Okay. So it's been a long time. It take the, the way you limit those guys is you force them to throw the ball and take the ball out of their hands a little bit. Then I, then I love a, a quarterback that prefers to run. But Texas hasn't been good enough on offense the last 10 years to say that. So that's that's why – does that worry me? Yes. Yeah. All right, guys. This is the last Super Chat, then we're all caught up in this one from Kabir Hussein. And he says, over under two for five-star commits for 24. One, two, three, over. I'm going over, Justin. I'm going over. Two, especially if it's two. Yeah, I feel I feel really good about going over. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank so this will be our, our last question for today, guys. And it comes from Longest Horn. And he says, who are your top five most prestigious football programs of all time? And does Texas make the list? You, d- you want me to take this one first, Bobby, and you come behind? Because sure. you, you're the vet. Go ahead. You're, you're going to have a lot more <laughs> input on this one. Uh, yes, Texas makes the list. One of the winningest, winningest programs in the history of the sport. So, yeah, they make the list. Uh, they're definitely in the top five. Um, it's a good question, though. I think Alabama, obviously, is, is in the top five. I think USC, obviously, is in the top five. I think Ohio State is in the top five. And I think Michigan is in the top five. And, of course, that's going to leave out a number of programs that are probably very deserving, especially a team like Georgia that just came off back-to-back national championships. But 
I'm, I'm looking at it from the big picture, long term, the most prestigious. And you, you got to look at the names. And I know I didn't mention Notre Dame and they're they're up there, too, with prestige and, and, and wins and things of that sort. It just hasn't been the same, obviously, since um, since Lou Holtz was was running the sidelines. And so at the end of the day, Texas, to me, definitely makes the list. I'm not real sure where I would put that order, but Alabama, USC, Ohio State, Michigan and Texas would be my five. Well, I think Alabama's one. Uh, and I think I, I think Alabama's one, uh, particularly in the last because their last twenty years has been or fifteen years has been very special. But they went through two other runs in their their tenure that were special. Yeah, I still grew up at a time when Notre Dame uh, was the most prestigious program, even though they didn't win necessarily like they were the most prestigious. Because I, I would say that Texas doesn't have. I think I don't know exactly how it fits, but like Texas and Michigan are very similar in some ways. They've won some championships, but they've been more prestigious sometimes on a year in year out basis. They've been really good. Alabama, Notre Dame, Ohio State, um, USC, and then OU Texas. The yeah, one. OU. You got. I, I, you got to mention Oklahoma. That was. Yeah. I, missed the I, I. I don't think you know. Florida State had a run of, and Miami had a run. Okay, that are undeniable. I mean, I think Florida State finished in the top four in the country for thirteen or four, 14, fourteen straight years. years. It's unheard of. But before that, before Bobby Bowden was there, they had Burt Reynolds, and they were a, a, a all girls school. So let's let's be clear about that. But Miami had a unheard of run, not unlike what Alabama's had. Um, but they also haven't been around that long. I look, a lot of good teams out there. A lot of Nebraska. What a great one, Britt. Um I thought of Nebraska. I thought yeah, of Yeah, I they've just been like Texas somewhat down, but they've been further down than Texas. I mean, there's rock bottom and then there's Nebraska football the last you know 10 years. Um I don't know. Uh, it's a good question because I think it's constantly changing, um, yeah. which is one of the things that's fun about college football. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where everything goes uh, from here. Well, guys, I lied. I said that was the last question. Then we had another super chat come in. Kabir wants to know, does Sark improve in play calling this year? We've always had trouble making second half adjustments last year. Will that change in 23? I think it will because he's at, he's got more tools. Last year they started play, doubling up Xavier Worthy and Quinn couldn't find Jordan Whittington and it was over. The passing game was flummoxed, um, partially because of the receivers and partially because Quinn was Quinn. Partially because the offensive line had two freshmen, two true freshmen starting. Um, I, I think he will definitely be better. And part of that is part of that has been. Players just haven't made plays, too. Yeah. I think his play calling's been fine. You nailed it. It's players making plays. I mean, A.D. Mitchell is going to make a play in a second half this year that's going to matter. I mean, let's be clear. Iowa State, Casey Kane drops that pass on third down. Yeah. That was a big play because it gave Iowa State the ball back. They went down and scored. Um, You know, anyways, I, I feel like, yes, because of I, – I think it's going to be more because of playmakers, not necessarily because of play calling. Hey, Blake, I want to say thanks to our sponsor, Cross Oak Group, one last time. Uh, on Texas Football, the Longhorn Livestream is brought to you by the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, 
political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business with decades of experience ranging from the State House to the White House. Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.crossoakgroup.com. All right, guys, this is going to be the last question. Will Butler says, which of the four Big 12 incoming schools will win the most conference games? I'm interested to hear what y'all think on this. I'll, I'll start first, Bobby, and I'll let you in. Is that cool? Yep. First of all, I want to say thank you to Will Butler. He is a big fan of Inside Texas. He's a big horn. I, I know Will's family pretty well, and I appreciate you listening, Will. You're, you're good people, man, and and you're, you're, you're from East Texas like me. So um, uh, I just I, I always I always appreciate the nice words. He's very, very complimentary of Inside Texas, Bobby. Uh, of the four Big 12 incoming schools winning the most games, by default, I would pick BYU. And that's because of all the age and the experience they have coming back and things of that sort. And just because they're always going to be a tough matchup. BYU is always a tough matchup. Uh, Cincinnati lost a lot of guys. And I don't know if Emory Jones is going to be a guy that gets them to seven, eight, nine wins. I'm just not sure. Houston probably lost the most. But Houston also probably brought in the most when it comes to transfer portals. Transfer transfer kids from the portal, and so uh, them losing their quarterback Clayton Tune is is it was huge. That um, I think that was the guy that was really holding Dana and those guys together. So Houston, not real sure about Houston. That leaves Central Florida. I'm going to go with Central Florida. The, it, to right now, the, they actually have some some talent. John Rice Plumley is a great athlete, Bobby. He not only plays quarterback, he's also a, he plays baseball. Central Florida. This is a kid that got that got drafted, who they, they they plucked out of Ole Miss from the portal. And so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little out out of the box. I'm gonna say UCF, the Golden Knights. They'll have the most wins. Who do you think, Bobby? I, I don't think it's Houston. I don't think it's Cincinnati. I think it's either BYU or Central Florida. And like uh, Justin, I'm gonna go with Central Florida because they have their quarterback coming back, uh, which is what somebody also mentioned, John Reese Plumley. I also think. Your, your comment early on in this in this broadcast, Justin, about Gus Malzahn's experience in the SEC, he knows how to coach in big conferences on a week-in, week-out basis. Yes, uh, Holgerson's been there and never really won big in a big conference. Um, uh, the Cincinnati coach Satterfields went in the SEC, or the ACC from Louisville. He didn't really do that well uh, at Louisville. Malzahn has actually won an – I think he's won an SEC championship. So uh, that that would be my pick. All right, gentlemen. Well, great show as always. And uh, we want to thank the Cross Oak Group for sponsoring. Um, And then, of course, all our Super Chats. And, man, there were plenty of them tonight. Texas Boy, Brandon Ralston, Aury, uh, Michael Mosley, Justin Yarbrough, Nicholas uh, Tamsma, UT Boy, Elijah Perez, Kabir Hussein, Cinco de Mayor, Edmund Lee, football junkie, and last but not least, McBoogerballs512. <laughs> and uh, please hit that like and subscribe button down there. We would definitely appreciate it. And then, of course, head on over to InsideTexas.com for all the latest and greatest on Longhorn News. And, Bobby, I think – Yeah, I want to make sure you said Owry, uh, our guy Owry's yeah. name as well. <laughs> I, I had him in there for sure. All right. Yeah, <laughs> in, all right. in a very, very long list. But, yes, but special thanks to him. For sure. But uh, yeah, so that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football. And uh, Bobby will be back tomorrow. All right. Have a good one, guys. 10-4.